At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, raid line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can, can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch, claw, up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. Let's open up that raid Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USC is going to do the same thing again year after year oh no hello everybody welcome back to rain of troy radio episode 378 coming to you on tuesday black tuesday in college football to talk about the announcement that there will be no pac-12 football in the year 2020 we're going to give our reactions, open up some mailbag, uh, and now talk it through. This is a, a a funeral of sorts for the season. As always, you can follow us on Twitter, RainFTroy, like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash RainFTroy. Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Overcast, Google Play, and Omni Studio. Our Email address is rainoftroyatfansire.com and our phone number is 213-373-1-USC-SUCK-IT-WHAT'S-BRUIN-SHOW. I'm your host, Michael Castillo. Join along with my co-host here in the Rain of Troy studio in Los Angeles, Alicia Deratore. Hello, everybody. Hello. How are you Hi. doing? You missed an opportunity, Michael. You, you missed an opportunity to have the line go down as there will be no Pac-12 football played in 2020, the year of our core. I was thinking it. I yeah. just I, I I couldn't do it. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, sad times, depressing day. I I woke up this morning on Tuesday morning, feeling like, you know, when you have like a final or a test, that you just know you're gonna fail, and it's just gonna be you're gonna be miserable all day, and you wake up the morning of the test, and you just don't want to leave your bed. You just want to just sink into your bed forever. Honestly, that's like every day for me. I mean, fair. Many days for me, too. But, like, in particular, this day was a, I don't want to get up and face this day. Because we all knew what was coming. And it was kind of like, you know, uh, how we always talk about, like, the the lead up to the Alabama game. Where it's like, no way USC's going to, USC's not going to win. USC's not going to win. And then you get to, like, the day before or the week before. And you suddenly start thinking, like of all the reasons why it could happen, like, 
I mean, I may, I mean, if if thing, this this thing goes right and that thing goes right, and if you know, it's it's possible it could happen. It could it could definitely USC could kind of win, and then by the time you get to it game time, happen. it could happen. And then by the time you get to the game, you're like, yeah, USC's totally capable of winning this game. Like they can do it. That was kind of me in the morning. It was kind of like it started out with like they're gonna cancel the season. I'm gonna be super sad. And then it was like. But I don't know. People keep talking about how, like, they're just going to delay it. Like, they could just hit pause. They could hit pause and figure this out. Like, so then by the time, like, noon rolled around and the big, t- we were waiting for the Big Ten announcement, like, I had almost convinced myself, like, no, they're just going to pause. They're just, they're not going to cancel. They're just going to pause. And then we're going to spend the next few weeks sort of figuring out how to make this happen. And then the Big, tw- the big Ten announced. And then it was like that deflation of, of just knowing that. It wasn't going to get paused. It was going to get canceled. And we aren't going to have football this fall, at least in the Pac-12 or in the Big Ten. Yeah, I mean, this was the reality. I mean, that we had talked about for so long. Uh, I think this this offseason has been so interesting because this is the reality we always knew was there. The reality we always talked about seemed inevitable at times. But yet, we're, we're college football fans. We want to see the game happen, right? Uh, like We've talked about it before. Um, even if we can sit here and say that, you know, this is the right decision for the safety of everyone, the safety of the community, the safety of the players, the safety of the coaches, the safety of the, uh, the staff, the safety of, you know, our county, everything, right? Um, all those things, at the same time, um, this is not what you want to see because we like the game of football. It's not what we want to see because there's guys not only on USC's team, but on throughout college football that, that you want to see play. Uh, there's, there's guys on this team and, and throughout college football that need an extra year of tape to solidify their NFL presence. There, you know, J2 Valley is a, a, a example, perfect example. Someone who definitely needs one year of, of really good film to solidify himself as a first round pick, right? He needs this year. Jordan Iasefa needs this year. Uh, Brew McCoy's surely needs this year after all the stuff he had to deal with last year. Um, you and I need this year, uh, like in terms of, uh, you know, the, the podcast. Is the podcast going to survive? Um, are all of our other friends in the media going to survive? Are they going to keep their jobs? Are we going to keep our jobs? Are, is, is anyone going to keep their jobs? Um, all this stuff matters. And it's that cognitive dissonance between being worried about all of those things and, you know, and, and not wanting all the negatives to happen. And at the, the same point, sitting here and looking at it and saying, saying, you know, this is a situation where we've talked about it for so long that especially when you look at the other sports coming back, right? Uh, We've seen soccer come back uh, in in Europe and here. MLS. MLS, yes. And we've seen um, baseball come back. We've seen hockey come back. We've seen basketball. Um, And we've seen racing, even though we're not going to talk about F1 in this podcast. Not at all. Not at all. Um, And what are the sports that have excelled? Um, We don't talk about F1, but F1. They have a bubble. Uh, The NHL has a... Two really strong bubbles in Edmonton and Toronto. The NBA has a strong bubble uh, in Orlando. 
Uh, in Europe, they are doing essentially the MLB method where they're trying to create a, a bubble for each team uh, and, and they're pretty much sticking to that. Uh, and they're able to do it. They are professional athletes and Europe um, has handled the COVID a little bit better. Uh, and so they've been able to do it on a more consistent basis than baseball, which is the model that college football needed to work in order to function. And baseball has absolutely embarrassed themselves because it is they decided to forego the bubble. They could have created two bubbles in in you know Arizona, Arizona and, Florida. and Florida where all the spring training facilities are. They didn't want to do that. Those obviously were two country uh, two states that uh, two places I think they're they could be countries, but two states that are not dealing with COVID well themselves. But two places where they could have built a bubble, nonetheless. They did not do it. Um, and you have a situation where the St. Louis Cardinals, um, you know, it's as terrible as the franchise as they are. Uh, you wouldn't wish the COVID upon anybody, right? And and here they are having played five games compared to teams who have played almost four times that. It's, an, it's embarrassing for the game of, of baseball. It's embarrassing to have these players you know, not take it seriously because you need to be able to take it seriously and all that. And here we are with college football and we've said it for a while. You need to have a bubble. You need to have a bubble. The only way to have a bubble is to pay the players because once you set up that actual bubble and you want to do something that if you, if you wanted to go the NHL and NBA route and ensure that you could do this, if you wanted to have the, Pac-12 season in Pullman, play games at Martin Stadium and the Kibbe Dome over in Idaho, 12 miles away. If you wanted to do that uh, and then put volleyball in Corvallis and whatever other sport at, at a different Pac-12 campus, you could do that considering all the, the schools are going to be online. But you can't do that without paying the players. Or without acknowledging that they aren't just students. Right. Yeah, because you because you aren't doing that for regular students. Yes, and at that point they're no longer student athletes; they're just straight up athletes. Uh, and I've always hated the student athlete moniker, anyways. It always felt like a legal term uh, for them to play limbo around things. I'm on board. I think UNC's student paper said they're going to stop using the term. I'm kind of on board with that. Like, yeah. let's just let's call a spade a spade. They're athletes. It, it's it's always been, you know, BS. Um, I, I've always cringed at it because it's always just felt like uh, a, a cover our ass term. And surely in the, in this instance, um, it is that because we see a situation where, uh, you know, th these last few days, even before uh, the announcement, and we haven't even got to the news to actually talk about the announcement, you know, uh, all told here. But even before that, we saw player empowerment. Uh, we saw it last week with the uh, Pac-12 unity, all the players getting uh, together and, and standing in the hashtag we are united. Um, and then it turned into we want to play, uh, which was fascinating because all the people who want to play regardless of COVID rally around that. Yes, yes. All of a sudden people are suddenly worried uh, and concerned. All the people who di who wanted the players to to shut up and play football last week are all of a sudden saying, "Yes, player empowerment, let's do it." And then they come out a couple hours later and say, "But we want to do it with a union, with representation." 
Um, and with the bubble and all that kind of stuff and, you know, COVID support and, and all those other things. And it gets to a point that the Pac-12 and none of these conferences are in a position to be willing to do that right now um, for good or bad reasons. It doesn't really matter. Um, it, it's just they, 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 they can't pull it off. And we're in a situation right now where we could have had college football if we as a country, all of us, um, all of our leaders across every single party line, this is not a COVID is not a political issue. If, if it yeah. is, you need to rethink your politics probably, but it's not a political issue. But every one of us played a role in this. And um, it's a situation where if we handled it better as a country um, across all walks of life, we're probably getting ready for fall camp right now. That's. I think my biggest frustration with this whole thing is this is a complete and utter failure across the board. Yeah. It's a failure of the country to get things under control so that we would be in a better position to take the risks that people want the athletes to take. I think there would be more willingness to take those risks if the risk wasn't as high. If numbers were lower, then then you could say, you know what, we've reached a threshold where the risks are worth it. Um, if the college football... Uh, administrators, if the presidents and conference commissioners and ADs and all of those had sat down in April, in March, in June, or even July and realized that things were not going well. We've known going back to to early July, to late June, to mid-June, that things were not turning the right direction. Right. And yet they sat on their hands and didn't figure out how to get a bubble going how to move to spring how to do it like they they got blindsided over the last week because they were had blinders on and were insisting on we can still have the season we can still have the season here's our schedules we can still have the season we're just gonna move back a little bit but here's our schedules and like the the reality had always been that this is where it was heading so if they had had more foresight they could have come up with a plan that was better than turning around one one day announcing a schedule and then the next day announcing a cancellation like what a failure of leadership in the pack in in the in not just in the pack 12 but in the country at large in college football what a failure of the NCAA what a failure of the conferences what a failure of of everybody involved that they just didn't even consider how to answer these questions earlier and it just makes me sad that like this is why if if we weren't having college football because for the same reasons that we lost college basketball, because this this act of God comes in and gets in the way and there's nothing you can do about it except for shut it down and just wait, wait it out. Right. That I could live with. This is a failure. And that's so frustrating. I, the, the way I look at it, I, I think it, to me it's less about the conferences and about the universities themselves, because there are you know, limitations there. They are governed by so many of these schools are governed by their local municipalities. Uh, SC, even as a private school, still affected by that. We know that SC can't practice right now, even if they wanted to, because, or even if they could, because uh, of the, the local, you know, bans on group gatherings and the Dodgers have the exception and USC and UCLA don't. Right. So, those things are are at play, and so I and you know that it is very tricky 
uh, to deal with the whole amateurism thing. And we know that amateurism, for the most part, is a farce. Um, but I don't think that you just tear down amateurism in one off season at, I, at the same time. So I, I, I don't know that there would have been a, a simple answer that way, rather than just changing everything all told all at once. Because I well, don't, know, I don't know how that works. Let's go back even further. I saw somebody tweet a source from like a Pac, uh, uh, you know, a College Five, sorry, a a Power Five AD who said basically that they missed the mark on NIL, name, image, and likeness rights. If they had just taken that and said, okay, we can do this, then a lot of these issues of amateurism and paying players and the liability stuff and all of that kind of stuff wouldn't have be such a glaring problem as it is right now. If they had just... Maybe it would have given them more leeway to actually do a legitimate bubble. Yes. Right. Yes, because they could have said... That or if they had embraced the idea of a of a of a revenue share earlier, if they had acknowledged that amateurism in this modern age doesn't exactly work, and we need to adjust the way that we do business, and give players a piece of the pie. If you were giving them a piece of the pie, you could justify a bubble. You could bring players in for a bubble and say, uh, "You are sacrificing your freedom in this is in this instance because essentially you are employees." Or some form of legalese that you want to call them. Right. But they had their head in the sand for so long that now they Student ambassadors. Whatever it is. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know what it is, but something that a lot student workers, I don't know, one way or the other, you could have figured this out. Somebody could have been creative and figured this out, but they weren't creative. They, they waited too long on that front. So are we any surprised that they didn't, that they waited too long on dealing with the COVID-19 stuff, dealing with all of these, these, you know, it's, it's. Nothing is a simple problem. Nothing boils down to one simple issue. This is an extremely complex issue. And that's why it's been so frustrating having these debates on Twitter with people, because it's not just a player safety issue. It's not just a money issue. It's it's not just a liability issue. It's not just a TV issue. It's not just a desire to play issue. It's a everything is factoring into these decisions. And 100 percent. That's what makes it so difficult to deal with, but also... Well, th- that's why so many of the rebuttals, I think, are so misguided. Because there, I mean, we see these things all the time on Twitter, and maybe some of you guys listening might have this thought right now. And, and that's fine, but if, if, your, if your reaction is, well, they could have just had the bubble on campus, well, or the, the players are safer on campus, so then then they don't really care about player safety because the players are safe. Yeah, the, the players might actually be safer on campus. Yes. I've said that from the beginning. The, the, the players themselves. If if students weren't sure. on campus and players were, that's a better situation than students and players being on right. campus. But, but again, this isn't just about the players. This is about the community as a whole. Uh, and the players being there also means that the coaches are going to be there, the staffers are going to be there, the trainers are going to be there. Their tutors might be there. Like, there's a lot of people involved with this. Not all in the same age group that tends to fight COVID better than than other age groups. And not all in the same health profile. Yeah, and not to mention, this is the problem that the, the problem on top of this is that they're not actually bubbles. Yeah, they're they're, they're not actually bubbles because what we've seen. Is, you know, other schools have outbreaks, uh, with Michigan State, uh, Rutgers, 
Um, there's a bunch of schools that, that have had Oklahoma outbreaks. State had to shut down workouts. Northwestern yeah. had to shut down workouts. UNC had to shut down workouts. Play- SC had players still go home. So that's not a bubble if they're still going home. Uh, and you look at you look at baseball. What was the problem? You had players going to clubs, and like that's that's not how a bubble works. So no, that that's not it. And and it's it's not just limited down to one thing. And and the the reductionist uh, rebuttals, I, I think, are are so misguided in that sense because also it's the idea about you know this is politics um, is is so misguided because there's too much money at play here. If you think it is strictly politics, then do you honestly think, do you honestly think that a university president values their political opinion so much that they would forego tens of millions of dollars of TV rights? That's no. That's the that's ultimate. That's not how it works. That's the ultimate thing that signals to you how serious this concern is. And I will grant. There are some people out there who would say who would say that the presidents are not concerned with the health and safety of these players. They're more concerned with the liability and the potential for lawsuits. I will grant you that. But doesn't that go to show just how high the liability is right. if they're willing to forego the millions and millions and millions of dollars that they're giving up by not holding a football season this year? Like it is astounding how much money is going to be lost. By not holding sports this this fall. Yeah, and no one wants to lose no, that money. They aren't t- making this decision lightly. There's a reason they waited until August 11th to make this decision. E- exactly. The Ivy League made this decision a month ago, guys. Right. And at the time, everyone was like, oh, well, that's not going to play into... Well, it turns out, yes, it was. Because the Ivy League was looking at the raw data and they knew from the get-go, this ain't going to work, guys. And And everyone else tried to sort of keep their their head in the sand and act like it wasn't gonna come home like it's just the reality so you know this isn't some some farce this isn't some conspiracy this isn't some made-up thing like there are real large concerns and whether or not you agree with the degree to which we could all we should all be concerned about those things a lot of really powerful people who have a lot of money at stake are this concerned Right. Yeah, and it's not just because they're hoping an election goes their way. Yeah, absolutely not. I think that's the last thing on any Pac-12 president's mind. Right. So, anyways, uh, it's a dark day. It's a dark day for college football. It's a dark day. Sad day for for, for all of this, for, for all of us and all of you guys listening. Um, because, of course, we were, we were not rooting for this. Um, as as you obviously know, uh, but it's a it's a rough one. We're gonna take a quick break here. Um, screw it. Let's just get into it. Pac twelve canceling the uh, sports through the end of twenty twenty. Uh, as we as we've been talking about. Uh, so let's talk about this. Set the stage. It was first the Big Ten who announced their fall calendar cancellation after reports of back and forth. Uh, suggesting that they would or wouldn't uh, because of pressure from coaches and players and then the Pac-12 presidents voted unanimously to, quote, postpone all sport competitions to the end of the 2020 calendar year. Uh, for basketball, that means no non-conference schedule, uh, which uh, a, a move that we had known 
the Pac-12 was making for the last few weeks, uh, in football at least. Which means USC is home and home against Kansas and uh, a tournament game against, um, a mini tournament game against Gonzaga are definitely canceled. Two games they certainly could have used, for mm-hmm. sure. Uh, the Pac-12, um, yeah, athletes will have scholarships guaranteed through the postponement that goes along with university support like academic advisory, uh, advising, tutoring, and support services. The Pac-12, quote, strongly encourages that the NCAA grant students who opt out of competition this academic year an additional year of eligibility. Then there were statements from the Pac-12 officials. That includes USC AD Mike Bone, who says, quote, In listening to our Pac-12 Medical Advisory Committee present the latest data over the past few days, it became abundantly clear that despite our gargantuan efforts locally and as a conference, there is too much uncertainty to move forward with athletics practices and competitions at this time. I would like to thank Dr. Folt for joining me to advocate for the health and well-being of our student-athlete. We will do now what we did in March. We will focus our attention forward and get back to work on addressing the challenges that await us in the weeks ahead. The path may be covered in ambiguity, but there is never any doubt that our mission to serve our student-athletes. We are grateful to the Trojan family for their continued support and encouragement. We'll be stronger for having endured this together. We fight as one. Uh, And that was followed by Clay Helton's statement. Yeah, so Helton said, Today, guided by the recommendations of our doctors and medical professionals, the Pac-12 conference has decided to postpone the 2020 football season. While I am extremely disappointed that our student-athletes and coaching staff will not get the opportunity to compete at this time, we will always support decisions that are made to protect the health and safety of our players and staff. I am very proud of how our football team has conducted themselves and for all the hard work they have put in this year in preparation for a season. Our university and athletics departments are committed to providing all the services for our student-athletes to function at the highest level, both academically and athletically, while following all county, state, and national guidelines. I am confident that we will come out of this stronger, more resilient football team and look forward to getting the opportunity to compete and showcase all the hard work that has been put in. Together, we will continue to fight on. Yep, Oregon president uh, Michael H. Schill says ultimately our decision was guided by science and a deep commitment to the health and welfare of student-athletes. We certainly hope that the Pac-12 will be able to return to competition in the new year. Larry Scott also said, unlike professional sports, college sports cannot operate in a bubble. Our athletic programs are part of a broader campuses in communities where in many cases the prevalence of COVID-19 is significant. We will continue to monitor the situation, and when conditions change, we'll be ready to explore all options to play the impacted sports in the new calendar year. Uh, Alicia, of these statements, I take three thoughts. Number one, I, I like Mike Bone saying that you know there's going to be ambiguity here. I think the transparency is important there. Uh, we all know that there's ambiguity over all of these things. You might as well just admit it. Um, be honest. Um, we all know that it, it, it's good to sound uncertain. I think in a in a weird way. I think it I think it resonates with people because so many people are uncertain because so many things constantly change. Embrace that as an as frustrating as it might be. Uh, and then chill, saying that that science was was the guiding light. I think is a is a great call here. Um, and then, uh, am I crazy? This paragraph from Larry Scott, 
Is that the most um, aware statement that Larry Scott has ever made? I mean, it. It. I included it in this rundown specifically because it's. It says it all. It. Like, um, it literally says everything. Brady McCullough of the L.A. Times did a really good job in a, in a column, basically boiling down this whole thing. It. It come. It came down to a question of amateurs uh, amateurism versus the bubble, and the. Larry Scott says it outright. They weren't going to put the student athletes in a bubble. Well. The thing to solve that would have been to acknowledge that they aren't amateurs and they that student athlete is a farce right. and just say we're going to put our athletes in a bubble. Um, but they weren't willing to do that. And I think blame can go around on that front. I think it's sure. um, I think I, I agree with what you said earlier that you can't upend the amateurism sort of system in the span of a month. Uh, I get that that's uh, probably unreasonable. But it is frustrating that the thing that would have solved this all is the one thing that the NCAA won't budge on. And I don't think it's a coincidence that you go from conferences being willing to play the season to unwilling to play the season in the span of how short it happened when it coincided with players, high-profile players, standing up and saying, we want representation and we want well, this, that, and the other thing. That was a double-edged sword of that whole movement. I thought that like, we we talked about it, like this is the this is the opportunity for the players to make a stance, um, and they they hold the ultimate trump card in withholding their services, which is playing football. Um, at the same time, unfortunately, because of the pandemic and all this stuff. The the conferences can call that bluff in the sense of, well, okay, well, that's it. We're we're, we're gonna close up shop. And I think the the even if millions were were at stake, because those are many more millions involved. Yes, and the other side of it too, which I, again, I I don't think this all is is simple. I don't think anyone's calculation on this is simple, but I think the medical advice made it very easy for them to ultimately come forward and say. We're not going to take these risks right? because we do have these reports now from ESPN and, and from the Pac-12 uh, itself talking about their medical advisory boards. We're basically saying that we don't know the long term and short term health risks of COVID-19, even whether or not you show uh, symptoms or not. The The heart problems that they're showing are dangerous enough that if the risk is high enough, you can't have you you can't take the risk that players will develop myocarditis myocarditis i'll say it right one time um and 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 end up putting themselves at risk of a heart attack putting themselves at risk of serious problems down the line and we you know we there were reports out on tuesday that said that as many as 10 athletes in the big 10 have been diagnosed with myocarditis. This is a rare this is a rare complication from something like COVID-19 or something like an influenza. It's supposed to be rare and you have 10 athletes who who have it. That is a huge concern that if I were the Big 10, I would look at and think, "Oh man, you know, if something happens to one of these kids and we can't have anybody sign a waiver for legal reasons or for PR reasons, then their their families are going to be able to turn around and absolutely destroy us. Yeah. And so whether whether or not you're an official and you say, "Man, I can't stomach the risk of 
a player having a heart attack or your official saying, I can't stomach the risk of a player's family suing us after a player has a heart attack. Either way, you come to the same conclusion. Yeah, and just to confirm, you're not talking about iridocyclitis. Iridocyclitis? No. Okay. No. Myocarditis. Right. Inflammation of the heart. Just, I don't know whatever reference you're making, so. <laughs> I'm just going to sail on by that one. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it, it's so many things are at play here because, you know, you talk about how, like, we can say that it's frustrating that the players make this move to, to go out and get representation and, and to get theirs and, and mall for them doing that. And then it's frustrating that the schools can be like, eh, peace out, never mind, um, and, and shut them up in that sense um, and, and not listen to them. But at the same point, it, it's not like the the conferences and the, and the university presidents don't have perfectly valid reasons to do that anyways. Well, because even if they, they you know, even if they, they were paying players and all that stuff, we can still talk about how, you know, there are still reasons to potentially not play. I mean, people are talking about it, about the NHL and the NBA, that maybe they even shouldn't even be playing. And they're doing it what we would say would be the right way. The safest, so, the safest possible way. Right. But at, at the, like it's, it's that complex of a situation. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, of course the players want to play. Like, I right, never yeah. doubted for a second that the players want didn't want to play. Like... I knew they, they this. They wouldn't be here if they did. Yeah, they, they, uh, they, these are competitors. They want to play, and we want to watch them play. That, that was never the doubt. It was always, were the risks going to be worth it? And frankly, I am not going to fault the Big Ten or the Pac-12 for making a decision that is ultimately in the interest of protecting those players. And I, I would love it to be an individual sort of freedom situation where you could just choose to do whatever but at the same time like everyone's going to take that risk until they're the one that gets it everyone's going to take that risk until they're the ones that develop develop the heart condition and have a heart attack everyone's going to take i mean there's a reason why headshots have been legislated out of the game players were more than willing to take the risk of of, of concussions we know that yeah, we, we saw those Stuart Craven's quotes. Yeah, but that's not necessarily the best way to be. Certainly not when you are shepherding people that you're claiming to be amateurs. Like if, if you're trying to uphold this idea of amateurism, then you can't let the players make those decisions on their own. You have to protect them from themselves, themselves at a certain point. So, right. you know, I think this is just a, a really complex situation. And I am interested to see how things go between the ACC and the SEC and the Big 12 and what decisions they make because their medical advice at this point seems to be pointing towards a willingness or an ability to to play under conditions that they find to be safe enough. But will they be? Um, will they even go through with it? Like, I, don't, I don't know. I'm, I think that there might be some wishful thinking going on in some of those conferences right now. Yeah, the SEC, ACC, and Big 12 all seemingly leaning towards playing the season, but we will see uh, how that works. We did get some questions. We got a tweet from Matt. Can USC temporarily join another conference on a temporary basis to play? We also got a couple of phone calls from Michael in Idaho about this as well. Um, and 
it, it's a it's a thought that yeah, if, if USC is not going to be able to play in the Pac-12, could they play elsewhere? We've seen that rumors floated out about Nebraska. Nebraska says they're playing no matter what kind of deal. Um, but there's issues there. Uh, part of it is that the conferences hold the TV rights and they distribute the money from those TV rights. So if you're going to play, um, you, you got to figure out something to do with TV rights. Uh, that that's that's a that's a big issue. Not uh, not to mention speaking of the, wishful thinking. The, 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 well, the most important part about this uh, is that there is nothing that's coming out of Clayton's uh, mouth, out of Mike Bone's mouth, out of Carol Folt's mouth that indicates that they would even be willing to do that. See, and that's the thing is, uh, in the Big Ten, you had Ryan Day and you had Jim Harbaugh right. come out and say we want to play. You had no head coach in the Pac-12 speak up like that. Not a single one. Uh, we've already heard from from David Shaw. David Shaw months ago was giving indications that he was uncomfortable with the idea of this of this happening because he couldn't see how it could safely be done. Right. And I think that Clay Helton has has been sort of silent on some of these things because he sort of left it to to the players, but. There is no indication on any front that USC has any interest in being independent or going against the Pac-12. We know that Nebraska voted against canceling the season. We know this. And Iowa, yeah. The Pac-12 was unanimous. The Pac-12 presidents were unanimous. Yeah, so, so I, I, I wouldn't hold my breath. No, there is I, I, not only would I not hold my breath, I'm willing to put it down right now. There is zero chance that USC breaks off and tries to play with another conference. Zero chance. Yeah. A Slack message from L.A. Fred who says, what's the likelihood a school from the Big Ten or Pac-12 could break away? Uh, basically asking the same thing. Nebraska wants to. Ne- we know Nebraska this. really wants to, but it, it does come, ma- come down to getting it to work with TV money. I think you would need to somehow have some sort of legal agreement with, with the Big Ten if you're Nebraska to, to figure that out. And I don't think there's any chance that that gets why, done. Why would Nebraska open that can of worms? I mean, why yeah, would the, why Big, would Ten the Big Ten allow that? Yeah. And from the Pac-12 perspective, I think the only teams that I could imagine would be willing to, to go out on that limb are Utah and Colorado. And I don't actually see that happening either because those aren't big enough brands. Right. And again, they have the same problem that uh, the the Nebraska would have in that they are tied into Pac-12 contracts. Now, the interesting one here, I think, is the Big 12. Uh, we know that the Big 12 has uh, given their third-party rights back to the schools. This is why uh, the Longhorn Network exists. This is why... Uh, Oklahoma, you know, people love to complain about the, the SC playing Oregon State on the Pac-12 network. Yeah, try a pay-per-view game. Try paying $60 to see Oklahoma play Army. Yeah. Like, like that's how Oklahoma's tier, tier three rights uh, are in-house and done via pay-per-view, which is insane. But more, more power to them. That's how they make like $8 million extra because of it or whatever it is. So... They, they can make more money that way, but they have those rights. So I think it would be interesting if the Big 12 came out here and, and shuttered. If you would get schools like OU or Texas to be like, we're just going to play each other. We're going to play a barnstorming season and play whoever. 
right? College of the Faith, right? Yeah. <laughs> Whatever it is, they're going to play somebody uh, and put it on their own tier three um, broadcasting deal. Like, like, could they do that? I think it would be fascinating to see if it would happen. Um, but that, I don't know if that would necessarily allow them to join the SEC for a season. Yeah. So I, I don't, I don't know. It's 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 an interesting situation. I think it's gonna be fascinating to to watch as an outsider. The thing but, is, but my gut instinct still is that nobody plays anything. Yeah, and that's and that's my instinct too because we know the SEC wants to play absolutely. But even Greg Sankey, their commissioner, has come out with quotes that are like not equivocal in in the slightest. Like he's not out there saying we are going to play. He's out there saying we're gonna try. And to me, right. that says that. Eventually, I think they and all of the other conferences are going to acknowledge that this just this just isn't going to work. Yeah, and hopefully, if it if it comes to a halt, it comes to a halt preemptively, and it doesn't come to a halt after they've you know after something terrible, a, a yeah. cardinal situation or something yeah. like that. Uh, we did get tweets and questions about transfers. We had a tweet from Scourge: How many players possibly jump ship to play elsewhere, and what are the percentages of there being a spring season as well? as a spring and fall 2021 season. So the Pac-12 did not cancel the season. They postponed it to, uh, they postponed it with the idea of looking into it for spring, which I think is what you have to do. You have to at least try to, uh, like there's no need to just cancel outright. Because, not now at least. Yeah, there, there's no need to. There's too much money at stake to to not try if it's possible by then. Yeah, you might as well just keep that possibility open, even though at this point I think it's probably slim. Um, I think we all agree on that. But you keep that possibility on it because, again, there's like can change. millions and millions of dollars at stake here with TV money. Well, that's and that's the thing is that if you're the Pac-12, you're hoping that over the next few months, rapid testing develops. Yep. Because rapid testing opens a ton of doors to doing uh, a season. Um, I you're sitting there hoping that. The numbers go down. There's a vaccine across the country. Maybe a vac. I mean, the vaccine at this point, I wouldn't sort of bet on it. But if it comes, then you're you're doing okay there. If numbers across the country go down, if um, the bubble situation becomes more viable, right. uh, there's a, a thousand different ways that you could sort of figure this out. Uh, that you're buying yourself time, and I think that's that's what we need to take from this. Is they're just buying themselves some a little bit more time and why not you have some time to work with right and and one of the pushbacks that i that i've constantly seen uh we, matt liner was the first one who made this and I, and I think it's a valid point uh the idea that you you don't want kids playing two seasons within a calendar year uh playing in the spring and in the fall i think that's valid uh my response to that is there's if you play in the spring, there's nothing stopping you from not moving the following season too. Um, I think you could absolutely move the following season to the winter, maybe, uh, to mitigate some of the of the overlap, and maybe have two seasons where there's a, a truncated season, but it's truncated less than the mm -hmm. super small um, off season that you would have uh, after the this upcoming spring, if that was the case. So, like, maybe, for instance, hypothetically, if this was up to me, this is how I would do it. Uh, and, obviously, if, if COVID permitting here, obviously. Say you, you start the season, uh, like, the week after, the week before or after the Super Bowl. 
and you go until uh, May. So you're holding camp in January. January, yeah. Okay. You hold camp in January. You start the season at the beginning of February. You go, uh, you play in February, March, and April, uh, and early May or whatever is when the playoff and, and, and whatnot is. You, you figure that out, right? Uh, then you come back for the what would be the normal 2021 season, and instead of starting in September, which would at that point be, what, four months off, you push that back at least two months, if not three months. Um, and you push that back to starting in maybe November. Uh, and you play November, December, January, your, your championship game in, in February or March or something like that. Maybe it goes concurrent with basketball. Um, and then you end up buying yourself a, a little bit of time there, right? Um, and then your following season 2022 would start normally as you would, as you would do it. Uh, that's how you could mitigate some of that. Obviously, uh, it would still be playing two seasons within a little bit more than a calendar year, um, which would not be ideal. Um, but it would it would lessen the burden a little bit at least. I, this is what the NBA is going to do. It's what the yeah. NHL is going to do. I th- I think my plan would be even more simple. I mean, well, like my plan would be taking that even even further. You have camp in January. You come back, or you know, sometime in in January and middle of February, you come back with your first game on the Saturday. I'm just looking at the calendar now. Uh, on the Saturday of uh, February 20th, you play. You're the Pac-12. You have two divisions. You play division only games, so you play five games. So the weekend of the 20th, 27th. Are, 6th, are you saying you use the season as spring ball? Yes. The, that's, a, that's a good point. The twenty, the 20th, 27th. The 6th of March, the 13th of March, the 20th of March, the 27th of March. And the, is that six? Let me see. One, so, two, three, So you three, basically four, turn spring ball into a tournament. Five, six. Yeah, six games. Maybe you maybe you go to uh, April 3rd and you put a bye week in between. Uh, so you, you need to hold five games. And then you have your Pac-12 South and your Pac-12 North teams uh, play a conference championship game and then you crown a champion that way. And this way you get, and you could even play um, sort of a final season game where you match up the North and the South based on their standing. So the top teams in the, in the North and the South, then number two teams, three teams, four teams, five teams, six teams. And you get that final weekend of play Yeah, and you crown a champion and you each get six games and then you're done by mid March. So now you have yeah. April, May, June, July off, and you come back for fall camp in August. If you feel like you don't have enough time there, that, you can even push it. further and have your spring camp like the plan was going to be for this year, where you start camp on August 17th instead of uh, August 1st or you know the, the, the 15th, as it were, yeah, and you, you start you your season in mid-September bit. or you yeah. even start your season in late September, and then you push and have your conference championship games in mid-December. Yeah. Um, is there's a there's a lot of flexibility here. You can do this, is what we're saying. Especially because if you actually play in the spring, then you've already radically changed everything. Yes. So at that point, all possibilities it. are open. Yes. So and and that's my thought is that you know we want we want to say well you can't do this because football always starts the Labor Day weekend and it's always this and that. 
we've gotten to a point where always doesn't matter anymore. Mm-hmm. Tradition and always th- things that always start a certain way out the window. This is 2020. Those things aren't exactly viable anymore. So it might get weird. It it, it might get weird. It just, it just might have to. Scourge says the thing about the players jumping elsewhere. I, I think that's possible, uh, absolutely, because you have to factor in there's going to be the, the 21 recruiting class. And how does that get – how do those players get fit in? This is going to be a situation possibly akin to, like, the NHL lockout situation where – um, and the NHL lockout had a salary cap that they installed, and all of a sudden teams are scrambling to to get to down to the that that salary cap number. Right? You're not going to have a salary cap, obviously. That's a completely different situation, but you're going to have a, a a situation where if you bring in those guys, you have two incoming classes who have never played before in 2020 and 2021, and you have seniors who are going to get a sixth or potentially a seventh year, you know, if, if they're, if they were guys coming back for a six year anyways, mm-hmm. that what are they going to do? It absolutely could be a, a way where there's a million transfers way more than you're used to. You're just going to have to deal with that. And, and, but at the same point, there's also probably going to be a mass exodus of guys going to the NFL. Uh, guys like your J2 fellas who certainly need that, that extra year but also may just gamble on on themselves and see how they've done for for the last two years and, and try to get in the NFL now. So there's so much at stake. I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, anything happened in that, in that the, area. The, the thing I'm concerned about is what does the NCAA, NCAA do here? Because they are granting waivers left and right. We're moving towards a situation where they're going to allow a one-time transfer, but that rule is not in place yet. So if we're talking about now, if we're talking about a Pac-12 player who wants to play football this fall and decides that they want to jump to the SEC or the Big 12 or the ACC, will the NCAA grant them immediate eligibility? A month ago, two months ago, JT Daniels was granted immediate eligibility. So like, how are you going to square those two those two situations i don't know the one saving grace i think for the pac-12 and for the big 10 is there are limited roster spots in the acc sec and and big 12 like it's not like they could accept dozens and dozens of players each team maybe if they have the room have like two spots for transfer which is why i don't think it's it's a lot similar to remember what we were talking about months ago about the idea that all the california recruits were going to transfer jump from yeah and like the 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 plausibility of that happening is very low, considering that only so many have the means. Well, in, in this case, only so many of the players will have the the room, or so many of the schools will have the room to take on bodies. Uh, right. On top of that, I don't know that you know as as Ellie Fred asked it. Do you see guys transferring to play other conferences if they play this year and playing immediately? Like I don't necessarily see that happening because. I, when when you look at the when that has been viable, um, you look at the Penn State situation, look at the USC situation, the bowl bans. Well, the Pac-12 and the Big Ten did not cancel their season; they postponed it. So the it's they they have not lost eligibility yet. Mm-hmm. When you lose eligibility, or you lose a chance at eligibility, that's when the, those kind of moves could happen. I, well, I think that's, that if that's, the Pac-12 would have canceled their season, 
And some player says, well, I'm going to transfer to Alabama right now to play immediately next month. I think that's when you have to look at it and say, okay, you approve that transfer if, if possible, if they got room. Yeah. But if it's postponed, I don't think you can do that. Well, and that's that's another big reason why the Pac-12 should really fight to hold a season of some variety because right. you need to dangle that carrot to keep people on the line. Um, I think I mixed a metaphor there, but that's fine. Um, Carrot's another bad vegetable. I like carrots. I love dipping carrots in ranch. Oh, so gross. Which kind of defeats the purpose of eating a carrot, but it's still a good also, vehicle for Also, carrots just look dirty. Do they? Yeah. Maybe, maybe you're eating dirty carrots, Michael. Well, I mean, they're literally from the ground. A lot of things are literally from the ground. Oh, that's gross. <sighs> Anyways, NFL draft. Will, will players be skipping the, uh, the, the, the season because it interferes with draft prep, you think? So this is a... I think the NFL, it would be in their best interest to push back the NFL draft if they can. Because it is important, not just for the players, but for the scouts and the teams, to get a look at the extra tape. So, like, the NFL is about to make huge investments in all of these players. So they want all the data that they can to to, to make those evaluations. And so if I were them and there were conferences that were planning a spring season, I would accommodate that. And move it back somewhat to allow for players to play their season and then also do draft prep. Now, if you did my plan where you have only six games in your in your conference season and you could wrap this all up by mid-April, um, you could have the draft, you know, the end of May and you still have a situation where you can hold a postseason combine or, or something like that. It's not ideal, but I think it is in the NFL's best interest to work with college football in that degree. If they don't, then yeah, you're going to have guys who aren't going to play the spring season. And unfortunately, um that'll be an individual not, not unfortunately, that will be an individual decision. It was interesting we had Amon Rossing Brown's uh dad come out last week, I think, who and said basically like he's playing. He's too competitive. He's going to play. And I wonder how far that extends because I believe that Amon Ross St. Brown is a extremely competitive player. But how far will that extend? Does that extend playing in the spring? Because that's a whole different calculation. Right. Like you mentioned. Like, like we said last week, if there's anyone who's NFL ready, it's him. Yes. And I think Elijah Vera Tucker could decide, you know what, I have enough good tape out there that I'm just going to go for it. And and then there might be other players who say, no, I have to play this. Talanoa Hufanga might make that determination that he has to play. It's just going to be up to him. And uh, we're going to have to see how that all works out. Yes, indeedy. Uh, we got some more mailbag stuff, so let's get to it. You've got mail. All right, Alyssa, before we get to the rest of the mailbag, I didn't want to get to a couple of reviews we got to on Apple Podcasts. First one comes from Ruiza317. Says, great USC podcast. Bad if you want hot takes. Gave us five stars. I love this podcast. Mike and Alicia are great. And it feels like I'm listening to fans of the team talk instead of talking heads. However, Michael has the worst takes on everything. Legit today, he said Halloween is a trash holiday. Bruh. Anyways, fight on. Love, Reign of Troy. Here's the thing. Halloween just sucks ass. I'm sorry, it does. Uh, Michael's statements are not endorsed by his uh, podcasting co-host, and uh, I love Halloween. It is the best holiday, and uh, disregard everything that he says. You don't even like scary movies. I know. That goes to show how great Halloween is. I can't even do horror movies, and I love Halloween. That makes you psychotic. 
<laughs> Next review comes from Corey, who's the father of Cameron in Frisco, Texas. He says, I have been going, listening to Michael and Alicia for a few years now. Met them at the meetup last year in Salt Lake City. Your knowledge of USC football and history is astounding. You make me laugh and never fail to please fight on my go-to USC football fix. Five stars. Much thanks. That's uh, that's excellent. Thank you so much for uh, for leaving us a review, a five-star review. We always appreciate them. You guys keep the podcast going, and uh, especially now, that's extremely important. So, much, yeah, very, very much thanks. Yes, 100%. Uh, let's go to an email we got from Andrew. I used to work in the athletic department data team and know their budget in and out, and are very concerned about the financial ramifications of this decision. I also just recovered from COVID four days ago after the worst month of my life, and I'm an otherwise healthy 33-year-old. I don't care that the start of the season was canceled. Lots of things I don't care about anymore. I don't care if I have all the money I want or not anymore, meet my professional goals or not. I don't care about all the discomforts of quarantine anymore. I don't care about all the plans I've had to change in this stupid 2020. All I care about and all that matters is that my lungs work properly again. You don't know what breathing is until you have it taken away from you. And with all the things we find frustrating in times of crisis like this, it's easy to forget that breathing is all that really matters. That's my opinion. You're entitled to yours, but as someone who knows the financial ramifications of this decision better than most fans and the experience of this disease better than most fans, that's how I feel. That's my opinion. Andrew in Mexico. Uh, Andrew, we really hope you're doing better. Uh, Good to hear that you're doing better at least that you got through it sounds scary yes terrifying terrifying yes um yeah we and i think this goes is and is a perfect example of the cognitive dissonance right that that we all face right because we see um we we all don't none of us want the season to be canceled uh for andrew brings up the point that the financial ramifications are are huge for usc they don't want that we want to watch the games, right? Like, and at the same point, COVID is terrifying for all who have got it, um, or all that who have got the symptoms. But better say that because so many people have been asymptomatic um, and still have turned up with heart problems and and other right. issues that uh, are also scary. I mean, yeah. and passed it along to others, right? Yeah. So. It is a it is a tough time, and it is a tough time to kind of balance all these things. Um, yeah, we we hope you're doing better, uh, for sure, Andrew. Uh, we also got an email from uh, Randy. Yeah, Randy says Michael and Alicia. The news of potentially not having college football this fall hit me hard, but it's something I'm okay with. As a Southern California native, the reason I became a USC football fan is because I love seeing kids from my region of the world succeed on the field and eventually succeed in life. It's my favorite part of being a Trojan fan. The virus won't allow any of that to happen. Like Alicia mentioned in a previous episode, what USC player are you okay with dying? None is the only answer. Canceling or postponing the season hurts, but it's something I'm okay with as long as it keeps people safe. Best wishes and stay safe, Randy. Yeah, I think the the, the scary part for me is that as much as canceling the season is, is the right idea and, and the good thing for the, for the safety of so many, the scary thing is that we as a society have not dealt with COVID enough that this 
still lingers. Like, canceling the season doesn't mean that everyone's not going to get COVID. That's the scary part. Yeah. Hopefully it helps. Hopefully it helps the community. Hopefully it helps the, the you know, prevents spread that could have happened and, and those kind of things. Um, But it, it's still a, a scary situation. You don't want to see anyone, you know, fall to it. And, right? that's, and that's the thing is canceling the season doesn't make any of that go away. We still are in the middle of a fight to right. to slow this thing down, to, to get it to a point where we're not risking uh, health and, and safety every time we walk out the door. And, you know, that that's that in light of of uh, Andrew's email uh, just before Randy's, it just goes to show that there are serious ramifications to this and we all have a lot more work to do to prevent it from happening to more people. And uh, I, I just, I think that What's frustrating to me is that this thing that should be uniting us, this uh, sort of invisible, supposed to be apolitical enemy that we all should be on board with taking out, we're still so divided that we can't even get to a point where we're all on the same page about right. battling this thing. Um, that's It's very frustrating. And it's why we aren't having a football season right now. It's it's plain to see, plain as day that that's what's uh, what's going on. But um, my greatest concern is is this the health and safety of of uh, everyone in the USC football family and the college football family. And uh, when you hear stories like Andrews, like I think it's a lot. I, I you come to the same realization that Randy does, right? Like right. Yeah. that. It's not even just which player I'm okay with dying. It's which player I'm okay with going through what Andrew has been going through. Like, I wouldn't wish that on anyone. Right. Yeah. So, which is why I don't understand that. You know, Lou Holtz had a had a quote that something about like you know in Normandy that on D Day our, our our men jumped jumped into Normandy knowing the the risk and that's just what you had to do. Like. Playing football isn't battling the Nazis. Yeah, and that and that's like, that's the other thing is fighting COVID nineteen is not battling the Nazis. This isn't a right. crisis that we're going to get through just by being tough, strong men. Like this isn't something where you can just you know throw dudes out of airplanes and have them you know win battles. Like that's not how you fight a virus. Like that's not that that just isn't how it works. So. Right. And, and it, we wish it did, right? Because I mean, that would be that would we we, we would know how to attack it. The American military <laughs> would have this thing taken care of asap. Yeah, think about all those like B two bombers we'd have. Yeah, just, like freaking exploded. Yeah, it would be it would be perfectly fine. But that's why this is complex because it it's it's more insidious than that. Like it it's not something that we necessarily have military control over. Yeah. Well, well speaking of bombs, talking about potentially throwing bombs to kind of Ford. Uh, and a tweet we got from Evan, could Kyle Ford play if it's a spring season? That would be huge. We know he's coming off of a second ACL tear. Um, that's a good question. I think that it's certainly possible. You'd be looking at like a, what what would that be, like a 10-month timeline for him? I, I think that's possible. I, I mean, I think that uh, it's certainly more possible than the fall season. Absolutely. I guess the question would be how quickly is he able to to get back and to when football is the shape. spring season exactly yeah because if you're doing uh if you're doing camp in january maybe he's cleared by january but you're probably yeah. in a little bit of a wiggle room but, there. If, it, but if it's march yeah he, in theory he could play by march yeah i i, I don't know uh slack message from my friend 
And if all football is postponed to the spring, then assuming guys opt out, do we re-rank the top 25 as the make-up some teams that will drastically change, i.e. Trevor Lawrence out at Clemson, etc.? I mean, absolutely, you'd think you'd have to re-rank. Uh, I, I wonder if they'd do a new coaches poll. I'm certain they, well, they haven't done an AP poll, so they just do an AP poll as is. Yeah. But you yeah, the, the the makeup of the top 25 is going to change because not everyone's going to play. Hey, this is one of those great years. SC did not drop in the coaches poll throughout <laughs> the season. Hey, well, this is interesting, though. If the SEC and the ACC and the Big 12 do go ahead and uh, and play, you're going to have a situation where, like, how many, what records of SEC ranked teams are they going to have? Uh, what records of uh, Big 12 teams are they going to have? Like, all of those things. Ay, ay, ay. Um... You know, do like a top 10 instead of a top 25? Because what what even is the point? You don't have any G5 teams. You don't have anything. I, I don't know. Uh, we did also get a tweet from Andrew in, in addition to his great email. Uh, if you need financial support to keep the lights on, say it openly, and we will all gladly rush to help out. Two heart emojis. Thank you, Andrew. That, uh, that sort of made my day. Uh, we very much appreciate the support of our of our listeners, and we want to keep going. And as of right now, all we can say is that we will keep going. Um, right now, we will continue with the Patreon. We will continue with the podcast. The website, com will continue. Um, I think that we are gearing up for some um, changes uh, as far as the amount of time that I personally am able to put into covering USC football, uh, given the nature of, of the lack of, of a fall season. So my time may be split elsewhere uh, on the writing side, but... Certainly on the on the podcast side, we want to we want to keep chugging along. If that changes, we, we will have to let you know. But for now, uh, we are um, we're OK. And, and and I said this on a Patreon episode that I did on, on Monday. Really, what we're just hoping for is that uh, if you can, um, certainly anyone who's subscribed right now, stay subscribed. Uh, that supports us. Anyone who uh, can leave a, a, a review, leave a review that supports us. Yep. Um, but, you know, if you're a member of the Patreon and you can financially still uh, support us that way, stick with us until the next season. If, if you can't, we understand. Um, we hope we bring you back when the next season comes around. Uh, if you're a listener, stick with us if you can. Um, you know, don't just delete Rain or Troy off your phone. Don't just delete the podcast from your podcast. Unless you hate us. And then that's I mean, if you thing. hate us, then don't listen. Yeah. <laughs> hate listening is, is pretty sad. But uh, but the fact <laughs> the fact of the matter is uh, that uh, we are just hoping that our listeners are along for the ride because we are. And uh, anyone who does uh, support us in that way, we are eternally grateful. But it's our unprecedented time. So we are just going to take it day by day. We're, we're going to try our best. Absolutely. Uh, we're going to try our best to bring you something this fall. Um, which might get a little weird. It, yeah, we're gonna try and get creative to with content as we as we go through. We're just gonna have to, but it might involve like video games and playing video games. Hey, and, it's not the worst idea in the world. Or, or watching simulations. Who knows? So it's it, it's gonna get nuts. Uh, we did get a Slack message from Darlene who says, "Can some 2020 is the worst type of T-shirt be made? Would love to add to a Rot slash USC rendition to my collection." Yeah, we got to figure out something. Uh, uh, undef- maybe an undefeated shirt. Unde- something. <laughs> uh, put put a Clay Helton picture on it, undefeated in twenty twenty, and twenty twenty nat. Can USC claim the twenty twenty national championship? I guess they can't if, if the SEC if, and and then play. 
look at it this way. If the SEC plays, then Alabama or LSU, at least one of them, will have more losses. Hey, USC will have gone 365 days without a loss once we get to uh, December 28th. Was that the day of the... Uh... Whatever it was. Yeah. yeah. That, that'll be big. Yeah. That'll be big indeed. Uh, lastly, uh, we did get an email from Dan. He says, now that Renishroy Radio is an F1 podcast, uh, which it is not. We do not speak about F1 on this podcast. No. We never... We will never speak about it. In that. fact, we're not even addressing this ep- this email no, we're, uh, about the about we'll being an F1 it, podcast. But we're not going to address the things on it because we don't talk Let's about, talk about F1. F1. Yes. No. Dan says, you have to root for Fernando Alonso at Renault over Carlos Sainz at Ferrari next season. Fernando is the best personality on the grid after Kimi. Is a double world drivers champion. Has won the 24 hours of Le Mans. And will win the Indy 500 later this month. He'll also drive a Renault, the same company that blessed the world with the Twingo and the East Base. Carlos, meanwhile, will drive a Ferrari. The same make of car that double parks in your house north of the USC campus. The choice is clear. Dan. Oh, Dan. Uh, I'm not going to discuss uh, Fernando Alonso with you. I would hope not. Uh, I'm not going to talk about how I love Fernando Alonso already. Uh, but that nobody can take Carlos Sainz's place I'm in my heart. I'm not talk about how he looks like Dave Grohl, right? Uh, he does look... I'm not going to talk about how he does look like Dave Grohl, yes. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, Fernando Alonso is another fellow Spaniard, and, and uh, he's he's wonderful, and I wish him all the luck at Renault, even though I'm definitely not ta- having a discussion Spe- about this. Speaking comment. of Spain... Uh, speaking of Spain. The, the big race... The- this uh, the, this week up in Barcelona <laughs> that that list being changed tried was was difficult. Catalonia, Ca- Barcelona, Catalonia, yeah. Barcelona. But we're not going to talk about that. We're, we're not going to make our it. predictions. No. Like I'm not going to come out here and say that Max Verstappen is going to kick the Mercedes ass twice in a row. Like I'm not going to say that because this is not an F1 podcast. Well, all I want to say is that I actually loved McLaren. Uh, and so I am very sad that Carlos Sainz is leaving them for Ferrari, but I'll get over it because Carlos, Carlos Sainz is my boy, and I will continue to root for him well, wherever he's he goes. He's your boy, but you also have a dude. My dude is Alex, is Alex Albon. Alex Albon is my dude. Not that we should talk about this. I'm not I'm not telling people who my favorite F1 drivers are, but uh, if I were to do so, I would mention that Carlos Sainz is my boy, and Alex Albon is my dude, and uh, uh Fernando Alonso, we can call him my guy. I thought it was Vi. My guy Vi. But these are F1 guys. It's different. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Hashtag Team Verstappen. If I had to pick somebody, which I'm not, because I'm not talking about We would never devote time on this podcast to this at all. Uh, What we will talk about is Patreon. Patreon.com slash Ren of Troy, where you can get all our bonus content for as little as $5.55 a month. Help support the show, especially during the year of our core, the year of no football. Football. Yeah, uh, sadness. But we will chug along Uh, on the the Patreon. The year I moved back to LA and there's no football. There's no football. I mean, yeah, you're not going to have to shuttle back and forth every every weekend from Arizona to LA. And all of a sudden, you wouldn't have had to anyways. So that's sad. But uh, on on the Patreon side, uh, we obviously aren't going to be able to do... Uh, you know, uh, pour one out for the season previews, but at least we didn't do them and then yeah. have them go totally to waste, like half of the things that I've written over the last there two weeks. There won't be a football season? <laughs> and 
No, I'm you're, not gonna. you're not going to even. So Michael didn't get any feedback on that joke last week, and he was no crushed. one said anything. So he is is trying to make it happen again, and I think you've realized that it's just not going to happen. Keely didn't even listen to the dang episode. Yeah, Keely letting us down, man. If you were listening to this, tweet Keely and and, and tell her why do you keep letting random short down? I well, I mean, this is true. Tweet her this. Yeah. Why do you yeah. keep letting them down? <sighs> That's good old good old Keely. Like basically, to be, just be like, I can't believe what you've done to Random Troy. I know. Uh, can't believe. How how do you live with yourself hurt. at night? We're hurt, Keely. We're hurt. Give by um, by by this this back this n- neglection. Yeah, we're, just, we're we're neglected. We're abandoned. It is this ruthless. Is the great abandoning, as I call yeah. leaving my friend's dog. Um. As an aside, we're going to continue going on Patreon after after that uh, weird <laughs> detour. Uh, we're going to have uh, Throwback Thursday episodes. We're going to Throwback Thursday. Takes with thir- Jake Throwbacks. Still. Takes with Jake. We're going to be able to still have. Uh, we're going to do old, you know, we, we've done in the past um, uh, analysis and, and watching old USC games. We're going to continue to do that. We can do Only Skinnect and other trivia games. Speaking of Only Skinnect, I forgot to mention Corey from... Frisco, Texas. Got it right. Got it right. Yes. Corey from Frisco. What, Cameron what? from Frisco, Texas' dad got it the, right. The answer was... Um, 52-49. Which was... It was the... the score of the pack tw- of, the, uh, of Rose, the Rose Bowl. Rose Bowl wins. Yes. Um, USC's most recent going Rose Bowl to, Going from oldest to most recent. Um, so good job. Good job on that. That was fun. So we'll, we'll continue doing that kind of stuff over on the Patreon. So... Uh, if you have thought about subscribing or are a subscriber, fear not. There will still be content over there. It just will take a little tiny different turn. Yeah. And, and when we started recording this, um, the Blue Jackets and Lightning were wrapping up second overtime. They're now going to the fifth overtime. Well, so. when we started recording this, the Big 12 hadn't made a decision. And, and now, now we know have. that they are going to continue to play football. So stuff is happening in college football as we speak. But, you know. And... Keely has still not turned on the podcast. And Keely has still not turned on the podcast. Unreal. Tweet her now. Tweet, tweet her. T- this is unacceptable. Yeah. She's not even going to hear this bit. I know. It's just, it's just sad, man. It's just yeah. sad. See ya. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.